Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel chapter 1, please. Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to do something that I, uh, I'm not in custom of doing. And having been here 27 years as, as the pastor, I'm always conscious that I, I do not uh, repeat and revisit some sermons and such uh, of the past unless God has really caused my mind to go back there. And some years ago, I, I brought you this word here at this church entitled, Living in Your Second Choice World. And only a few weeks ago, by the power of the Holy Spirit, one of the members of the choir prodded my mind of this word. And the Holy Spirit revisited in my mind for our lives, meaning my wife and I, as well as other people who are now here in this church that were not there then. Or who are now, who were here in this church when I preached it years ago, are now in their second choice world that were not there then. So I have revisited this in the prayer time, the Holy Spirit in study. And I'm coming this morning to bring you this word, because every time God gives us a word, He has a purpose for it. And so in the book of Daniel, chapter 1, we're going to begin reading verse 1. We're going to go to seven verses, but I want to keep your Bibles open because I want you to look at other places in it. And and let me give you a a little bit of uh, information here. Daniel and many, many Israelites, people of Judah, etc., are now being taken into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. This should not come as a surprise to the people of Daniel's day, because prophets preceding them and during his lifetime, and especially Jeremiah, had announced to the people of God, if you don't change your ways, God's going to have to judge you. If you don't return to the covenant we made, that includes the law of Moses and me bringing you into the promised land and providing milk and honey, so to speak, for you. If you'll keep your covenant, God says, I'll keep mine. But if you violate your part of the covenant, the consequences is what remains. Are what remains. And and so, let me say this to you, that here is a situation of Daniel and his companions. He's a righteous man, he's a godly man, but he falls a victim of other people's wrong choices. And he's in a second choice world. Verse 1, Daniel 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Asphanaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel... Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. I want to talk about living in your second choice world. Give me 30 seconds of your prayers as you point your hands in my direction. Would you earnestly and passionately ask God to help us together as you stretch your hands? Let's pray. Father, I thank you, O God, because you have looked into the future. And you have seen that we would be in this house on this Lord's Day on August 19, 2012. I pray, O God, for revelation. Could you say amen to that? I pray for inspiration and impartation. While there are places to go and things to do and responsibilities that await us, I pray that we will not be drawn away in our minds nor our bodies from this table of God and this Word of God. I pray, O oh God, for your power on all of our lives that we might be changed from glory unto glory and faith unto faith. Lord, I pray for an interest and a hunger in your word that rises above human resources and wisdom. And oh God, speak into our lives where no one else can because we're better from having heard from you. In Christ's name, and would you say amen? And amen it is. Thank you as you are seated in the presence of the Lord. Most of us would like to have our first choice. If we had our first choice, we would choose a great education. We would choose the perfect job, the ideal marriage partner, wonderful children. Don't say amen too loud, they're sitting nearby. If we had our first choice, we would choose excellent health. You can say amen to that. And flawless friends. In the real world, things do not work out that smoothly, however. Even if we had the opportunity to employ the power of choice, the first choice tends to go wrong. Viv Thomas, writing on the life of Daniel, says this about living in our world. Somehow our first choice gets contaminated or corrupted. It changes and in the process we change along with it. What looks like an outstanding selection at first turns into something less than we anticipated or much different. He goes on. The attractive partner you married loses their appeal. The job with huge potential becomes tedious within a few weeks. The house where we felt so safe is burglarized. The friends to whom you felt so close are now distant. He concludes by saying, This is reality for many people and often we do not handle it very well. The changing of our world. Let me briefly enumerate for you some of the causes, if you will, of our second choice world. There could be a failed marriage. 
that launches you from what you thought was your first choice world forever. That we would grow old together. We would see our family grow together. We would watch them have children that will become our grandchildren. We would retire together. But a failed marriage can launch someone into a second choice world that they never anticipated. The loss of a job in recent years because of the downturn of the economy, because of the worldwide recession, not only in America but around the world, multitudes of people have had to move into a second choice world because they've been given a pink slip or no slip at all. Because life does that. There is this thing of sickness, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, that puts you in a second choice world that you never anticipated. You're going along well one day and, and, and doing a, a, a moment of a little bit of surprise. You, you, you develop a kind of a cough that seems a little irregular. So you think, I'll take a little cough medicine. But it lingers for another day or two. And then in about five days, there's a tightness in your chest that you know this is not normal. And so you go to the doctor and, and they put you in the hospital and say, we've we discovered that you have blood clots. And it puts you into a second choice world. Can, can I get a witness here, somebody? Not to exploit anybody's sickness, but so is life. Addictions can put someone into a second choice world. Not necessarily you being addicted to a substance that are uh, detrimental to you, but it could be you. But also someone else's addiction or problem can put you in a second choice world. And now you have to live with a son or a daughter or a husband or a wife or somebody else in your world who says, leave me alone. I want to do my own thing. What I do, don't bother you until you realize that whenever you throw a pebble in the middle of a lake, it has a rippling effect, affects the whole lake. Can I get an amen? Sometimes victimization puts you in a second choice world. Either victimization of the past when you were a child or victimization of the present when you're being exploited by somebody else's power or ability to have control over you. It puts you in a second choice world. Give me a witness, somebody. And not only that, but I've known in my own life, and I'm, ho I'm hoping to learn and keep changing, but sometimes consequences of our own wrong choices put us in a second choice world. Sometimes when we see the sign says no, we say yes, and we think that we'll be the exception to the rule. Sometimes we think we can play close to the fire and not get burned, only to realize that the fire leaps on us and we are burned. We make the wrong choices. We hang with the wrong people. We listen to the wrong voices, and we put ourselves in a second choice world that we really didn't mean to. And then there are circumstances beyond your control that puts you in a second choice world. There are people spotted all over this congregation who can testify that, Pastor, I am in a second choice world, not of my own doing. There are natural disasters. There are hurricanes, tornadoes, other kinds of storms that blow into your life naturally and symbolically that put you in a second choice world can i get another amen here and and i've come to understand that one day the clouds can be wide and the sky blue and the birds are singing in the limbs of the tree and everything is good and next day your world is upside down second choice world our older daughter jennifer and her husband edward they live in Forsyth county and she is an assistant principal at one of the elementary schools there 
And recently they bought their first house, their dream house, over which they had prayed and explored and, uh, and really saved money for and sacrificed. And within four months of being in their dream house, uh, about a month ago, they had a major defect that, that showed itself in the plumbing of their house. It's a two-story house, and on the second floor, uh, a major line, I say a major line, it's a large enough line to feed the house, the upstairs and downstairs, erupted, causing water to flow from the electrical fixtures on the second floor to the first, causing water to flow from the heating and cooling vent, causing water to flow down the walls, and and, and bathing and wetting their first floor, all their furniture, all of the things that they relished and brought into their house has now been ruined. They were they, they videoed the event so they could have it for proper documentation, sent it over to mom and I. And, and, and their first choice world became their second choice, a choice they would have never made. They've been out of their house for a month now, and they're having a lot of issues that they have to deal with, with promises that need to be fulfilled. And I'm here to tell you, friends, that there is, this is kind of what life is made of. And when life throws you a curve, when all of a sudden the, the white clouds turn to a black cloud and the blue sky turn to darkness, when all of a sudden the birds are not singing anymore and you don't feel the presence of God, you need to have a strategy. You need to have some place where your foot is standing on solid ground. You need to have some kind of direction in your life where the devil doesn't bulge you over and make you a has been. And that causes me now to bring you to the man Daniel of whom I mentioned. I I want you to understand when we have to embrace life as it is and not life as we want it, there is perhaps no story more able to help than the story of Daniel. Give me an amen by faith. Daniel, you see, is best known for the time he spent in the lion's den. He began his life as a young man with an appalling second choice. When the Babylonians, under the leadership of King Nebuchadnezzar, took the city of Jerusalem where Daniel and his peers lived, Daniel was deported by the enemy. We've read it in our text. The Babylonians carted him off to the capital city of the Babylonian Empire by the name of Babylon. This was exactly the place where he did not want to be. He wanted to be in Jerusalem. He knew the environment. He knew the people. He knew the marketplace. He knew the temple. He didn't want to be in Babylon. The people whom Daniel did not want to relate to were all the people living in Babylon. The culture of Babylon, its gods, its food and language were all strange to Daniel. The job eventually assigned to him, the one of handling the Babylonians' government affairs, was a job he did not want. This was Daniel's life. And Babylon was not even his second choice. In living there, he had no choice at all. Give me a witness, somebody. 
Some of us are living in a world that given a choice, it would have been our last choice if that. But among the lessons we learn from Daniel this morning is this that I want you to see throughout his life and book. Daniel insists that second choice worlds are not dumping grounds for failures. There are arenas in which to demonstrate the reality of God. Oh, I, I, I got I to tell you something else. Write it down. Remember it. Daniel teaches us that the place of second choice can be first class if we allow God to work them out. <laughs> oh, help me, Holy Ghost. If you are in your second choice world, you are not God's second best. If you are in a second choice world, it's not because you are God's stepchild. Oh, I feel a whoop glory coming on. If you, somebody says second choice world are for people who are not the best, I beg your pardon. If you are in a second choice world, you still have a first class God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. While you may be in a second choice world, God knows who you are and His power does not change. Help me praise Him all over this house. My, my, my. You see, we all have to live our lives in second choice worlds. Some of us have to live all of our lives in a second choice world. And if our second choice world is to be handled well, the way we approach and engage it is very important. Do you let your second choice world dictate your life or do you dictate your life to that world? You see, God meant for us to have a first choice world when he created Adam and Eve. The Garden of Eden was the first choice world that God gave us. Can I get an amen? Because Adam and Eve are the parents of all of us. And God put them in a utopia, a perfect environment. When God created the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve and placed them there to have oversight of it, and I won't need to preach all that, you know it was perfect without sin. God provided all the vegetation, all the fruit, all the sustenance that they would ever need. He created the animals and He told Adam, take your time and name every one of the animals. And whatever you call them, the rest of the world will call them. Can I get an amen, somebody? I'm going to put you here. You can love Sister Eve and Sister Eve can love you. And you can procreate and have children and build a world that's a first choice world. There is no sin. There is no violence. The animals were not even cursed. They were not even poisonous. There was nothing in the world. It was a utopia. God made the world when He made it without sin as a first choice world. But Adam and Eve disobeyed and plunged all of us in a second choice world. And so how do you embrace a second choice world and live? Several thoughts. If we are to live through second choice experiences, it helps if we are able to go through it with others. When Daniel and thousands of others of Jews were corralled, lassoed by the armies of Nebuchadnezzar in the cities and province 
of Israel and Jerusalem. He was not the only one taken into captivity who believed in Jehovah God and did not want to go. But other men and women were taken. And I read in your hearing, men of prominence, women of prominence, people of noble lineage, craftsmen and women skilled. The the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar wanted the cream of the crop to come. And he was going to feed them and prepare them and educate them to perform for him and build his empire. And the Bible says in Daniel 1 and 6, and it's on the screen, Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Give me an amen, somebody. I have come to understand that people rarely transform their world alone. Did you hear that? When you are going through a storm, when you are going through a divorce that you didn't want, when you are going through physical sickness in your body that you've never had before, you never even heard of this disease until it hit you or somebody you love. When you are going through a layoff or looking for a job and you put an application everywhere you know online and otherwise, when you when you're going through a situation with your children that you never thought would happen to you, somebody's in jail or somebody is in prison or somebody something else is going on. I want to tell you it helps to have somebody to come alongside of you and tell you, I do not know exactly what you feel, but I am going to pray for you. I am going to minister to you. I, I'm gonna be your sister. I'm gonna be your brother. You can count on me for a listening ear and a kiss. Heart. Can I get an amen? amen? Now, now I know when you do that, you risk getting hurt. Can I get an amen here, somebody? I know. So you've got to be careful who you share your stuff with. Yeah. Not everybody wants to run with you and help you. But be careful who you tell your stuff to. Okay? Get you some people who are full of the fire, the Holy Ghost. Get you some people who don't have to text it and tweet it and uh, email. I feel a what? Yeah. Get you somebody who know how to zip their lip and talk to God. Get you Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The Bible says that Daniel got along with them and they were all in captivity. But when they came up against a second choice world, whenever the king said, we're going to throw you in the fire, they started praying. Whenever the king said, I'm going to throw you in the lion's den, they started praying. Can somebody say amen? Every time they prayed, God showed up and made himself known. We need some prayer partners. Yeah. I said we need some prayer partners. We need some grandmothers. You younger moms, come on, help me here. You young people raising families, God bless you. You need to get you some older people who have raised a family and they've gone through some storm. Let them pray with you. Give me an amen. You young husbands raising a family, you need to get some men of God, some elders in the church and get alongside them and they're full of the Holy Ghost and let them talk some sense into you. What glory? Yeah. We got to have somebody. Getting on all these websites are full of a bunch of junk. Looking at all these reality television, people ain't even married telling you how to raise kids. 
getting people on the talk show host, been married and divorced five times, talking about marriage. They can't tell you how to have a good marriage. They can tell you how to have a habitual divorce. Get you somebody full of the Holy Ghost. Living in your second choice world, it matters who runs with you. Oh, come, come on, help me. Here's somebody. Yeah. Swallow your pride. Go tell somebody. I ain't doing this so well. Part of our problem is our pride. We want everybody to think that we are Iron Man. Superhero. Yeah, if I took this coat off, it'd scare you. It scares me. Don't we all want that way? We preachers of the world worse. We don't want nobody to think our family hurts. We don't want nobody to think that we are, we have a situation going on. We don't want nobody to think the devil attacks our family because we got all this cloak and all this title and all this stuff we got to wear. I want to tell you, if the devil's bothering your home, you can be sure if I'm trying to protect your home, he's trying to bother mine. Find you somebody, swallow your pride, and say, I ain't doing so good. Help me out today. Help me to pray through and run with me. Somebody help me praise the Lord. Yeah. Come on and praise the Lord. So you are the big boss. Thank God for you. So you are the superintendent. Thank God. So you are the principal. So you are the chief mechanic. So you are the captain of the airplane. Thank God for you. But there ain't a one of us that don't need somebody to come along and say, God is faithful and he'll bring you through your storm. Yeah. And after you've encouraged, been encouraged, go find somebody, encourage them. We need somebody. Jesus told Peter, after Peter was talking real self-confident, if everybody else betrays you and leaves you, Jesus, me and you, we're in it. Let them go. But I, I, I'm right here with you, Jesus. Thick and thin. Hot or cold. These guys are in it for the show, but I'm in it to go. Yeah. Jesus turned around to Peter, knowing his personality. See, uh, Peter had this foot and mouth disease. You know about the foot and mouth disease? Yeah. Go ahead and nod. Your mama told you about the foot and mouth disease. You know, putting your foot in your mouth. Before you should walk on your feet. But Peter says to Jesus, I, I'm, I'm with you all the way. Jesus said, uh, before the cock crows, yes. Before it crows the first time, in the early morning of my arrest, before the rooster crows, in the wee hours of the morning when, I, when I'm being interrogated and assaulted and abused, and everybody else runs, and I know the story and you know it, you're going to deny you ever knew me. Did he do it? But you know what Jesus said? Peter, in spite of all you've done or going to do, Satan desires to have you, Peter. Then he said, uh, Satan desires to have you to sift you like we. He's going to put you through the sift and the sieve. And he's going to wring you out until, you, until he tries to kill you. But Satan's not going to kill you, Peter. Because I, oh, I have prayed for you, Peter. I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Sometimes I walk around real cocky and arrogant. I'm the man. 
thinking my prayers are working. They ain't been my prayers. Thank God for Valerie. Thank God for grandmas and grandpas and for you. Sometimes we strut around like we're so holy and godly and we and God got our own thing going and our prayers ain't been doing a thing. We hadn't even, our prayers hadn't even made past the ceiling, but Jesus has been praying for us. The Holy Ghost has laid our, our name on somebody's mind. Come on and help me. Somebody out in California, somebody out in Africa, somebody in Trinidad, somebody somewhere has been praying for you that your faith does not fail and your second choice world doesn't bowl you over. You ought to thank God for somebody somewhere calling your name. Help me praise the Lord. And, and Peter, after you get your blessing, find somebody else and bless them. Pastor Darrell, after you get your deliverance, find somebody else and help them. Brother Eddie, after you get blessed, find somebody. Can I get an amen? Lori, after you get blessed, find some. Alan, after you get blessed, don't sit in some kind of ivory tower talking about, look what I've done. Find somebody at the bottom of their well. Find somebody in a hospice. Find somebody in an intensive care unit. Find somebody jobless and say, God will help you in your world. God, you're going to have to help me because I'm yelling now and i got to preach later. You got, look at your neighbor and say, I need you. I know you're looking like on second choice. I better, I better turn to my other neighbor. Second thought. Rather than avoiding or running from your second choice world, you should pursue it and give it your best. Here's something real profound. Uh, I think that's why I laughed ahead. I don't know what I should say. I'm going to say it. Here's something real profound. Wherever you go, there you are. Wow. Deborah, put that pen down. Give me five. Wasn't that profound? I know the rest of these people. They ain't as high in, in intelligence as we are. Wherever you go, there you are. Sometimes it ain't your wife. It's just you. In your world. Sometimes it ain't your husband, it ain't your kids. It's just you. <laughs> and you can't run from you. And you can get so bad until the rest of us want to run from you. Why do you think you got that empty chair beside you? Just having a little fun with you. I know, I know you. Daniel... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, listen to the word, were going to be in captivity for 70 years. Is that the word? The Lord said, I'm going to take, I'm going to cause another king, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. Because of the disobedience, wasn't Daniel's disobedience, wasn't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but the people of God as a whole. Can I get a witness here? And because of the disobedience, and the sins of a few, we, we all suffer the consequences, i.e. Adam and Eve. And, and so Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego said, you know what, we're going to be here a while. We might as well make the best of this world. We, might, we, we better not be hostile to our captors. Because they can make our world a living hell. Or we can get into their world, not compromise our God, learn their culture. 
learn their language, learn their customs, and serve the king. And maybe, maybe our first class God can rub off on their second class world. Did I get an amen here? Listen, sometimes God puts you in a second choice world, not because he delights in your adversity, because he wants your light to shine. He wants your testimony to arise. He wants a second class world to know that God who made a change in you can make a change in them. Now, now the scriptures are on the screen about what they decide to do in their second choice world. Verse 18. Now at the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. Look at the influence you can have in your second choice world when you don't run from it. Oh, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. I, I just a little teacher, a little Indian teacher. That's all I have, a little Indian teacher. I heard Ravi Zachariah at the General Assembly. He's, he's Indian too. He's a bigger Indian teacher. The first thing... The eunuch who works under the authority of the king was commissioned by the king to do with handsome, good-looking physique and alert mind young men was to feed them from the king's table. Chapter 1. Give them my best wine, my best meats, and feed them from the table. Educate them under our culture. And after certain months, that's why it says now, at the end of the days, certain months that led to years... You bring these captives that I told you to feed and educate and adorn and decorate and even change their names. Can I get a witness here? The world will try to change your name and identify you with them. But, but, but in that second choice world, you don't have to compromise. G- give me an amen here, somebody. And what I'm saying is, that Daniel said, wait a minute, Mr. Eunuch, because God gave Daniel favor with the man in charge of the training. And Daniel says, look, we are Hebrews. We have a a kosher diet. And as a result, we are forbidden by our convictions and by our God to eat the king's food. So just give us vegetables, fruit, and water. Try it out for ten days. Me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the four of us. And the other people you're training from your own nationality, the the other Babylonians who are part of our training, you give them the fine wine and the red meats and all the king delicacies for ten days. And after ten days, you compare that group you fed that stuff to and compare us, who you give fruits and vegetables to. And if our countenance, our physique, our complexion, our structure is less than you desire, then you put us on the king's diet if you so desire. After it was over, the eunuch brought Daniel and his peers for examination in the presence of the others who were eating the fine dining. And when he looked upon them, you know the story, they were physically strong, they were mentally alert, their countenance was radiant. And the eunuch says, we're going to save on this grocery bill. You rest of you guys, you ain't getting no chicken, no turkey, no ham, no hog, 
Preach on, preacher. Thank you for the encouragement, choir. You shout me down while I'm preaching. I'm not fixing to cut your diet. Anyhow, just, just here, here is my thought. Okay? The, the, the thought is this. That testimony produced power until the whole king's cuisine had to be changed because they said, I'm living in my second choice world, but I'm going to obey my first class God. Can somebody help me praise the Lord? I'm trying to tell you, brothers and sisters, that if you get in your second choice world, the devil has a way of getting you to pout. You have resentment and bitterness. Why did God put me in this second choice world? Why did my friends put me here? If you choose to dwell in your second choice world, you can get so full of self-pity and blame and bitter until you break your relationship with God and other people. I, I feverishly try to minister to everybody. I want to minister to everybody. But if I see somebody coming down that aisle at Walmart, they're going to make my day gloom, despair, agony on me. I'm going to try to go to the next aisle real fast. You know what I found out, though? Sometimes God just has a sense of humor. Every aisle I go, there they are. Just like God might have cloned them, you know? You laughing because you do the same thing. Yeah, that cell phone you're holding in your hand right now. You see that text or you see that dial on the other side? You let the voicemail take it. Let the voicemail take it because you ain't about to get gloom, despair, agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. Come on and join it. You sang it. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom. Thank you. You know what? Yeah. I hang around and stare around people like that. Next thing you know, I'm thinking, what is wrong with me? I can get depressed all by myself. I don't need nobody's help. You know? I'm te- oh, God, help me. I'm meddling now, and we got to close out in a moment. Do you know some gospel music can make you so sad, some of them? Yeah. Even gospel music, whining. In the name of Jesus. You got to live in a second choice world. You might as well look up some more scriptures and get a first class word. You might as well wake up your mind. I may have to be here a month. I may have to be here three months. I may have to be here a year or so. But God has never failed me. Can I get an amen, somebody? I'm going to praise Him anyhow. I'm going to dance like I've never danced before. I'm going to sing like I've never sing before. I'm going to worship like I've never worshipped before. I don't know what God has in mind. But when God gets through with me, maybe I'll be like Job. I'll get double for my trouble. So I want to trust God anyhow. Somebody give the Lord some praise here. Yes. Uh, Listen to me. I I may not be able to help what somebody do to me or what they may do to my life. I may not be able to help what somebody's decision caused me pain. I may not be able to help what goes out there. And I'm so glad to see you. I, I may not be able to help what somebody does to me. Y'all don't stand on our chairs. 
I took my shoes off. But I can help what happens in here. If this brother does me wrong or that brother. Have you? No, no. Uh, I got got to say, okay, God, I'm going to camp out here a little bit. But I got to be sure that what happens to me, if it's bad, doesn't stay in me. I can control how I think. What I do, what I say, and if I choose to love anyhow, forgive anyhow, and bless anyhow, I'm a better man. One more slide. This is a seven-part sermon. Come back next week. If not, I'm going to haunt you. Put put the next bullet up here. Flourishing in a second-choice world requires us to develop a community that knows how to pray. Can I get an amen? Wow. Matter of fact, I, I touched on that earlier when I told you you need somebody with you. So, so take me to the next slide, and I'll close with that. God is as powerful in our second choice worlds as he is in our first choice world. Oh, you, you didn't hear me, because if you did, you'd say praise the Lord. Say praise the Lord. Hey, here's how I want to close. In chapter 2 of Daniel, give me just a few more minutes. Chapter 2 of Daniel, the king has dreams. And they are provocative to his mind. He can't figure them out. Either it's a one-time dream or of the same thing repeatedly or different dreams. He knows it has a message, these dreams. He wants an understanding. And so he decrees to all of his astrologers, soothsayers, Ouija board, all kind of cult, occultish people, come and tell me my dream. And if you tell me my dream, I'm going to reward you so abundantly when you have time to read Daniel 2. The reward that he's going to give is going to be whoever interprets his dream, going to be filthy rich, very notorious, full of honor and opportunity. And so all the wise men of his culture and day, of his religion, all the astrologers, soothsayers, palm readers, Ouija board kind of people, all, all these people say to the king, okay, tell us your dream, and we'll tell you the interpretation. The king says, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys have been playing and messing around with me, telling me stuff that uh, ain't happened. And now I want you to tell me what a dream and then tell me what it means. If you don't, I'm going to kill you. That, that's pretty plain, isn't it? How many know that's a second choice word? How many know I ain't even going there? I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you, kill your family, wipe all of you out. You got to tell me the dream, and you got to tell me what it means. King, pardon the grammar, ain't no other king ever asked any of their prophets or soothsayers to do that. Start killing them, the king said. Chapter 2. And they did. And the word went out to kill Daniel because he was considered a wise man. The word went out to kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because after they proved the power of God in their life and God gave them favor, they were promoted. And Daniel hurried to the house of his three friends and said, let's pray. 
the king is urgent in getting an interpretation for his dream. The king is urgent in not telling what he dreams. And he wants to know the interpretation. And he said he's going to kill all the wise men native to Babylon and all those they brought in from Israel and Judah. And we are included. Find a place and pray. Can, can I get an amen, church? And the long and short of it is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got a hold of God. Daniel got a hold of God. Their second choice world mandated that if they didn't get an answer very soon, they would be history. And wouldn't you know, just in time. Everybody say, just in time. God not only gave Daniel the revelation, God showed Daniel the dream and every detail. And God blessed Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. By elevating their prominence, visibility, power in a second choice world. Bow your heads. Holy Spirit. Pastor, I'm in my second choice world. I'll finish this next Sunday, God willing, but right now is the time for, for a decision. Bow your heads, close your eyes, whisper a prayer to your spirit. I am not going to leave here today, Pastor. Carrying stuff that God said I could leave right here. Pastor, I've been in this second choice world so long until it does feel like a long, lifelong journey that I'll never get past. And it'll never change. But I'm going to listen to God today. And instead of running from my world, Pastor, I'm going to give God my best in it. Maybe He wants to use me. Maybe he wants to use me to bless somebody. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you are not serving Christ, if you're not born again, you have refused the greatest gift that will transport you not just from your second choice world to a better world, but from this world to heaven. You've been running, you've been fighting, you've been trying to do it on your own, you've been, you run out of relationships, into another relationship, hadn't worked, one job to another job, hadn't worked, run into issues in your whole life that, that you thought would be by this age and this time of your life that you would be in a better position, but you're trying to do it without God and you say, Pastor, I need Him. Head bows and eyes closed. I need to rededicate my life to Christ or to give it to Him for the first time today. I need to make a first class choice. Christians, would you pray under your breath here a moment? I'm not going to drag it out. I promise you. I need to make a first class choice. You are a teenager. You need to to separate yourself from some people you're hanging with who are dragging you into a second choice world. You're dating somebody right now and God says you've got to break that relationship. As lonely as you think you are, I do not want you with them because they're taking you to a second choice world and I want you to first choice. You're about to make some decisions you hadn't prayed over and asked God about, hadn't fasted, hadn't asked somebody else to pray, but you think you'll be fine. And God is saying, wait, call, call upon me. I'm, I'm talking to you. Pastor, I need that kind of help. Raise your hands if that's you. Raise your hands if that's you. Hold it up. Don't let your pride take it from you. Put it down. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Stand to your feet with me. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, mama, mama, mama. Come on, everybody to your feet. Oh, help me, Jesus. If you believe in miracles, don't patronize me. Don't patronize me. And I ain't here to... uh, I'm as serious as I'm standing here. If you believe in miracles, say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Have you ever had one? Say amen. Could God be putting you through this storm? 
So not only will you get yours, so you could bless somebody else. Do you need a change of disposition? Do you need a change of attitude? Do you need, a, do you need to run a little harder, fight a little more? God's not on... God is not living in a poor house in heaven, aging with hard of hearing, shortened arms. Can I get an amen? God is not on Medicare or Social Security, as important as that is, it's not enough. Can I get an amen? You are God's child. You don't have to be a clergyman or the Pope of the Catholic Church. You don't have to be a bishop or ordain something. You are God's possession. Lift up your hands to Him and rededicate your life right now in worship. Begin by praising Him. I rededicate myself to praise. Come praise team and get ready to sing something for the Lord. Come on, raise your hand. Begin to praise Him. I will not grumble. I will not gripe. If I can praise and worship, I will not cause people to want to isolate themselves from me because I'm a whiner and a complainer. Oh God, forgive me for, for, for driving you away from me because I was more negative than... Come on, praise Him. God... My marriage is going to make it because you will take me back to a first choice world. I will do my part. My children are going to... Come on, come on. I don't have to tell you what your world is. You already know. Pray over everything that you, you need to give to God. Over your finances. God, I, I, I pray today. I, I commit my finances to you. I've been fearful to tithe. I've been fearful to give because I thought I wouldn't have enough. But you are more than enough. Come on. Raise your voices. I need to hear you. Touch him. If you're full of the Holy Ghost and have the language of, uh, of, of tongues, and then pray. Come on, I need some warriors here. I don't need no whining, namby-pamby like I can be sometime. I need somebody to run with me a few moments. God, I believe you're healing my body. I believe, oh God, I believe that you are giving, giving me strength for the journey. I believe that you'll make me like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I believe if they promise to throw me in the fire, you'll air condition the fire. If they promise to throw me in the lion's den, you will shut the mouth of the lion. I believe that I will live and not die. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Sing. Go ahead, sing, my brother. I don't want you to leave yet. I want you to praise Him. Come on, help me praise Him. I'm going back. Moving up.